If you're following the guidelines right now, then you're probably finding yourself with a lot of time on your hands. Whether you're stuck inside with your family or all alone, we feel your pain. But isolation isn't always a bad thing. It's time to go stir-crazy. This is Wayback Attack. Welcome to Wayback Attack. My name is Brian Grantham and sitting not across from me as always, but back home in his house is Preston Burt. Preston, are you out there somewhere? I'm out here. I have some, a little bit of cabin fever, but uh, I am here and in, in, in strong spirits. Uh, how are you doing, man? I am feeling better. Um, the, the past two weeks have been quite a ride, uh, I, I, I should say. Uh, you know. Yeah, I know our uh, our listeners may have wondered why we promised a, um, a a new episode last week and then didn't deliver. But you know, I I thought they'd probably understand the circumstances given the general state of the world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is this is a little weird for us. We've never recorded a show remotely. I can see you through Skype, but yeah. it's still a little a little odd. Yeah, uh, the. Um... I must say I'm impressed by the visual quality of Skype. Uh, so because uh, we did a Google Hangouts not too long ago with some people, and and this is much this looks much better than Google Hangouts did. So, oh, totally. Um, I'm also really liking the way that our studio is looking from a, a visual perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you're in it, you don't really get the the idea of what it would look like for others. But man, it's looking pretty good. So I hope we can actually turn this into uh, some video content soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is the wide shot. I'm waiting on a couple <laughs> lenses. Once I get some extra lenses for the close-up shots, then we'll be perfect. So cool. Oh yeah, I gotta have a good close-up <laughs> shot. Good close-up shot. So I've been talking to you through uh, text message for uh, uh, the past few few days and been checking in on you. Um, we alluded to more important reasons for us not being on the show last week, but I, I thought maybe you could divulge uh, why you couldn't be on and and maybe give me a little update on you know, how things have transpired and what you've, what you've been up to. Yeah. Um, so, uh, my girlfriend and I wound up getting, uh, COVID-19, uh, because we both work in retail and being around people, um, you know, some retail companies were quick to change the way they were doing business and some were not. And unfortunately, uh, both of ours, um, did not change dramatically. And so, uh, we were we we were exposed to a lot of people for a while, um, but uh, I wound up not having horrible symptoms, and so I, I just had like a very uh, I had a dry cough, and then um, I get uh, had shortness of breath. That has manifested itself in a couple different ways, like not walking around a whole lot, like just like in a small area, but like sometimes I'll have to like stop and catch my breath, and then like the other the other day. Um, I was like falling asleep and like I kept feeling like I was suffocating. Uh, and then I would have to just like take deep breaths and like just like recompose myself basically. Um, but that was kind of scary because I was like, Oh man, like I'm not, I like, I don't feel that sick and I don't want to have to go to the hospital because there's, I, I don't want to take up a bed or anything. I'll be fine. But like I did get scared a little bit when I was like, 
Oh, oh yeah. Like, when you can't even rest, yeah. that's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my girlfriend had it really bad. Like, she had um, all that stuff, but she also had, like, basically, like, a really bad flu. And she she did go to the doctor and get tested because she was very bad. And she was running, like, a hundred and something fever. Um, it was, it was like, right, like, a hundred point something. I think it got up to 101 at some point. Um, and they tested her for flu and for... Um, uh, strep throat and came back negative for both of those. Uh, but they said, you know, we can't give you a test for COVID right now uh, because you don't, um, you're not like, you don't meet any of the prerequisite requirements for the test. And so um, this was, this was not this past weekend, but the weekend before this mm-hmm. happened. And so they said, we're going to give you some amoxicillin go take that and we'll see if anything, if anything happens, if not, then it's obviously viral. Uh, and so, um, she, she, they wanted her to take it for a week. So she took that for a week and then, um, she was not any better. And they said, well, okay, well, obviously it's viral. Um, and, uh, we can give you the test if you want, but there's nothing that we could do about it. If, if it comes back positive, and um you when you you're not you don't have like asthma and you're not diabetic and like all this other stuff so like you just kind of have to like wait it out and they're like do you like do you want us to give you a test like we really like there's nothing that we can do about it you know if you come back positive and really like it really felt like they were just being like hey we we don't want you to ever go someplace and say they refuse to give me the test but they were uh-huh. really t- t- trying to be like we don't want to give you the test but if you were, if you <laughs> yeah. are expecting us to then we will go ahead and do that at this point um so but she she said you know save the test for somebody that needs it uh, and so um luckily uh both of our jobs were able to um let us have time off pay time off uh, for this and so well, that, at least that's a, a silver lining there. Mm-hmm. Too bad that they didn't change their practices beforehand so that neither of you would get it. Um, have you have you guys heard of anybody else in your respective workplaces that have gotten any symptoms? I think, like, so not, not directly where I work, but another location. Um, mm-hmm. I think that they had a couple people there that got sick um, because I know that they they have been um, cycling people through that through that location. And so, wow. um, but I, I don't know, I, I don't know anything about her workplace and how, uh, if anyone has, has gotten sick there other than her. So, well, is she feeling a lot better? I know you're feeling a lot better. Is she feeling a lot better as well? Yeah. Now she's cause it's, it's, she's at the point now where she's gotten rid of all the flu symptoms and everything. And she says like now her lungs, it kind of feels like if you have heartburn, but for your lungs. So like um she, like she says like that's really annoying like the way I imagine it is like if you eat like a really like an Altoid or something like that and and do that like that's that is probably what it feels like uh, because from based off her description but but yeah wow did either of you guys lose your sense of smell saw that in the news she said that things tasted weird um but uh I I I smell things fine I think so I didn't notice that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask her. She, just, I assume that her, you know, your sense of taste is directly linked to your sense of smell. So, so I know you. Uh, I'm glad you guys are feeling a lot better. I know you've already been at home. Um, how much longer are you forced into uh, quarantine so for the, right now? The, it'll be basically the end of this week. Will be the 14 days. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, I was able to work by myself 
um, at my job the first week. Uh, but then the second, like going into the second, the second seven days, uh, that wouldn't have been possible for me. And so that's why I took the time off. Um, yeah. And so the, uh, well, cause you weren't feeling symptoms. I mean, she, she wasn't tested. Right. And you had no way of knowing whether she had it or not. And then you weren't feeling symptoms yet. So you were still going about your life like you had to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, only then when you discovered, oh man, I got it too, that you had to say sayonara work yeah that stinks yeah this is why people need to hunker down and do uh what our show is about today um which is isolate mm-hmm. um whether you know that you have it or not you need to think that you do so that you don't get others infected um so we had a little bit of fun on our last show talking about viruses we actually like um would you classify covid19 as a virus you like uh no, I would say no to them. <laughs> well, some people uh might like the topic of our show today, which is isolation. Um are you a big fan of being alone? I can be. Um so when I was a kid, I thought that would be the best thing in the world. Uh, so like watching like Bugs Bunny cartoons and stuff. Um I I told my mom one time I was like, "Man, I want to go to jail when I grow up." Uh because like I thought it would be great just to be like away from everybody. This is obviously not what jail is, but based off of the Bugs Bunny cartoons where like he would go to jail with somebody and it was just like a bunk bed, you know, or whatever. And I was like, man, I could just go to jail and like read books all the time. And that would be great. Like I wouldn't have to be around people. Um, and then I spent a lot of time, uh, I lived in on this farm and I spent a lot of time there home alone. And so, um, I, I can easily find things to do to like to distract myself, but, um, so I don't mind being, being alone. It does eventually get tiring, uh, to do so. So how about you? Uh, I, I like peace and quiet. I like, um, solitude, but I have found because of being cooped up inside that I'm actually more of a social creature than I thought I was. Um, you know, and and yeah, we have the technology to be able to to keep up through phone calls and mm-hmm. and Zoom calls and Skype and all this kind of stuff, and that's great. But it's it's still, I think, just the ease of being able to say, I want to go outside and see my friend, or right. I want to go meet up for a movie, mm-hmm. um, and not being able to do that has really heightened my awareness to the fact that you know what, I actually am more social than I thought. The- but that says, I, but that said, being surrounded by people for too long i definitely need time to get away right. and you know recenter myself and get some me time but yeah it's it hadn't been too tough yet but we still have quite a long ways to go in this thing yeah you know i i think the worst thing for me is you know i've talked about my uh my ambition to drive very far distances for really bad food. That's probably Uh been my biggest, the biggest worst part of this for me is not being able to like go out to eat. Yes. Uh, Cause I'm even, you you especially cause you really are truly quarantined. You know, for me, we're, um, uh, for those listening, uh, who are curious, Georgia currently as of this time does not have a shelter in place order. We have our city and our County have, uh, recommendations for us to, um, you know, be at home. Um, but if you drive around to the grocery store, you see that not everyone is following that, Mm -hmm. those recommendations. Um, and so we still have the ability if we need to, to go, you know, to fast food and pick up the, through the drive through or something like that. But, but me, I'm wary of that. We've been eating in the house 
um, since, you know, two, three weeks ago. So we've been making every single bit of our food uh, and passing off on um, swapping duties of who makes what and helping out here and there. But mm. yeah, I do miss being able to just go get a shamrock shake. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I miss. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so our topic today, isolation, we are not going to bum you out any more of talking about the current state of the, the world. I just thought that um, I wanted Brian to share his experience because, one, I wanted you guys to know why we were not on the air last week. And also, I thought it might be helpful for you to hear from a, a firsthand account from a trusted source. So uh, let's go into the rest of the show and talk about some good, fun, entertaining isolation. All right, so isolation now is a little bit different than what you thought of as isolation as a kid. I was thinking back to not only pop culture references, but my own experiences as a kid. And I'm wondering if this was unique to me mm. um, or, or if you have the shared experience. I know for a fact that my own children will never experience this. And that is driving around in a car with your mom. And for me, anyway, riding around a car was like instant sleepy time. Like I fell asleep all the time. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm still that way. <laughs> and, you know, it's the motion and the sound. And then uh, you, you're feeling safe and, and secure. And then you, before you know it, you're zonked out. And then you wake up and you're in some parking lot somewhere. <laughs> and your mom is nowhere to be found. And you were just expected to stay there or or do what? I mean, I can't tell you how many times I woke up. I had no idea where I was, where my mom was. And then I just stayed in the car for who knows how long. Was it an hour? Was it two? I don't know. Was it on? What? The car. No. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, in the middle of 100 degree Georgia summer or anything. But, you know. I, I, did you ever have this experience? I don't ever remember like waking up at a store. I used to fall asleep. Um, so like I was saying earlier, I, I lived on a farm for a little while and you know, it was out in the middle of nowhere. And so I would always fall asleep uh, on the way home and my mom would just leave me in the car, but she would like open the doors and stuff. And we had like a carport. And so she would park there and then open the doors and stuff. And eventually like I would wake up like covered in sweat and be like, Ugh. <laughs> I mean, she may have rolled the window down or something like a dog for me. I don't, I don't know. Um, but I remember multiple occasions of that. I think maybe one time I, I, I knew it was at the grocery store or something. So I actually got out and went looking for her. Mm -hmm. um, but other times I remember just staying in the car and like as a kid, like time's just a construct. Like I don't even know. I can't tell the difference <laughs> without looking at a clock of how long this is. Uh, three minutes feels like an eternity. So I don't know if she truly left me there for an hour or if it was just five minutes and it felt like an hour. Right. Th those were times where you really, really, really felt isolated <laughs> and you didn't have anything to entertain yourself. No book, no radio. Cause she took the keys. 
no uh no game system and you're just left wondering is now the time i get abducted and murdered or <laughs> later anyway well not all childhood experiences are that harrowing um or that isolating uh, let's take a look at one of your picks mm-hmm. um that you actually had that was a fun part of childhood uh looking at isolation first thing that i'm going to talk about today is space madness oh my gosh when you sent this to me i hadn't i realized i hadn't thought about this in decades maybe (laughs) but how how much fun this was seeing this on nickelodeon back in the day it's so funny because you know when we were talking about the theme for this episode, everything that I was coming up with was space related, uh, and so like I really for the next one I talk about, I really had to like step outside and be like, okay, let me come up with something else because yeah, you know, I I thought of the same things. Like, of course you're gonna think of Gilligan's Island, mm-hmm. and of course you're gonna think of Castaway, and then thinking of space, you think Lost in Space, mm-hmm. but like. Those are so done and tropey, but dude, space madness from Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, good call. Good Th- call. This episode is so good. It's uh, so you st- you still have um, this is the first season, so it's still part of like uh, when John K was still on the show, and um, basically, uh, this is the first uh, the first cadet Stimpy uh showing because this is from um episode. Uh, five, I think it is um, from the from the first se- or no, it's episode three from the first season. And uh, basically, you know, they've Ren and, Ren and Stimpy have been. Uh, or well, let me let me step back a little bit. So this is not just like a regular Ren and Stimpy. Ren and Stimpy are watching uh, a, a TV show um, where uh, Commander Hoek and Cadet Stimpy are the um, are on a spaceship traveling through uh through the cosmos in the year 400 was it 400 billion i think and the um basically they've been on this like 36 year long mission and so ran is starting to lose lose it uh, and he's like he has this thing strapped to his head uh, it's hooked up to the computer and he's thinking about uh his thoughts for his captain's log <laughs> and he's he's like you know uh, they they're some sometimes uh, when people are out of space for too long, they get space madness. <laughs> and I always thought that was hilarious. That and the ending of the episode with the um with when they're doing the whole button, the whole button uh history eraser <laughs> button. Like yeah. like those two parts of the episode have stuck with me my entire life. Um, but basically, you just see Ren going through like Snippy trying to calm him, calm him down, and just like all these different things are happening to him and like basically him going over the edge uh, and becoming uh, losing his mind. 
Yeah, I, I love the the little touches they do in here. So uh, Stimpy tries to help Ren calm down and draws him a nice warm bath. And he goes and soaks in there. And what was funny is you forget about this now because we're so used to to crude and crass things, especially on cable television. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, aside from The Simpsons, when Ren and Stimpy came out, there really wasn't... Oh, and Beavis and Butthead, I'll say that. Ren and Stimpy and Beavis and Butthead. Sorry. Besides The Simpsons and Beavis and Butthead, there really wasn't anything that was crude and crass as far as animation goes. This is before South Park, mm-hmm. before a lot of the stuff we see now. And um, he, he popped some fart bubbles in <laughs> the the water. And it was like, oh my gosh, it was such gross-out kid humor. And it was so... It was it was. I use this term in a grandiose sense. It was revelatory <laughs> as a 13-year-old to see this actually on TV. Oh my gosh, I can't believe they talk about farts on TV like this. Um, it was really funny. And then I love the anti-gravity or the, yeah, the, the zero G, the water just starts mm-hmm. to float up and he's riding around in his um, levitating water uh, from the bath. It's really funny. Yeah, the, uh, the one of the things that I loved about Ren and Stimpy were their, the, what they called the, the gross-ups. So it's yes. like oh, I was just going to talk about that. This one's actually missing it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The uh, I always th- I always loved how how they did that in in this show, and basically, uh, you know, it was just like a very detailed, disgusting painting of like whenever they would do a close up of someone's face or whatever, mm-hmm. and. Um, Oh, what's his or name? Or like a pile of rotted food with flies coming out of it. And it's just, it's like a detailed matte painting mm-hmm. and they just focus in on it. My favorite one that I hope I haven't talked about before. My favorite one was when uh, Ren pulled out all of his teeth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the and was going to leave his nerve endings <laughs> for the nerve ending fairy. And they do a gross out shot of the inside of his mouth with his nerve endings coming out of the open holes of his gums. Oh, dude, I, that has scarred me for life. That that has stayed with me for years. You know, the the great thing about Ren and Stimpy is it, essentially it's just like a like a Looney Tunes commercial, right? Like if you just if you just like extrapolate over the course of time, like I feel like, you know, Looney Tunes originally they were designed to be family events right so there was like there were jokes and stuff like that made for adults and then but you know it was something that like a whole family would go to the movie theater and and see these shorts before a movie or whatever and Ren and Stimpy is very similar to that like there's a lot of jokes that are made for adults in it Um, but like you know it's funny because if you think back like on shows that kind of took the theme of like the gross out stuff and ran with it like the Brothers Grunt uh, on, on MTV do you remember that show? No, no. The brothers That's... grunt was awesome, <laughs> but like it was, it was mainly just all gross out stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like Ren and Stimpy was was such a great, a, a great part of my childhood. Like I had, um, Nintendo used to sell those orange tapes or whatever, and actually I think I still have it. Yeah, actually I have one. Right, I have it right behind me. So the um, I, I have like old like episodes from that Nintendo put out on orange VHS tapes. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, growing up, like I love Ren and Stimpy so much. I used to draw Ren and Stimpy all the time. Me and one of my friends, we like wanted to make this like four player, like TMNT arcade cabinet, but it was Ren mm-hmm. and Stimpy. And so you would play as Ren, uh, Ren, Stimpy, Powder Toast Man, a Muddy Mud Skipper. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> so like we drew out like all the levels for it and like all, all the characters and stuff would do, um, like. That would have been great, man. Yeah, if you had a four-player arcade cabinet like like Ninja Turtles, yep. but it was Ren and Stimpy, that's that's money in the bank. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, so they, I love, love, love this show. So, yeah, um, this could have uh, this could have been like an Event Horizon situation uh, if it had gone on any longer. But uh, let's keep it lighthearted for the kids. I really liked it, and if you haven't checked it out, it's a great pinnacle episode of the very first season what was it uh season one episode three yep cool uh where did you get your episode voodoo um i so i have bought it on voodoo i also think i bought on on microsoft's movie studio before or like a movie platform movie store on the xbox also um but yeah you, you can buy the whole set on on voodoo yeah so check that out and uh enjoy space madness See this button? Don't touch it! It's the history eraser button, you fool! So what'll happen? That's just it. We don't know. Maybe something bad. Maybe something good. I guess we'll never know. Because you're going to guard it. You won't touch it, will you? <laughs> Living in our closet? You seen him too? Who is he? Ollie Feld. Why does he keep going into our closet? Why do you keep going into our closet? <laughs> to get my clothes. But that's not why he goes in there. Of course not. He's twice your size. Your clothes would never fit him. Yeah. Think before you ask these questions, Mitch. So, you know, castaways on an island, mm-hmm. lost in space. Those are those are definitely cases of isolation. Um, some of them, some cases of isolation are definitely self-imposed, though. And so, I thought about a character, not a whole movie or not a whole TV show, but a character in isolation. And I don't know if our listeners are going to recognize the name right off the bat, but Laszlo Hollyfeld. Did you know that name before? You watched this movie? I had no idea who this person was. <laughs> and, and it's so weird to me that I, growing up, I never watched this movie um, because it seems it, like it's it's right up my alley. Uh, but yeah, I, like, and I, I remember seeing it all the time places, but I just never, like I never had a desire to watch this movie. So dear listener, if you don't recognize the, the name of that character, maybe you'll recognize the name of the movie it's from, which is Real Genius. Um, starring Val Kilmer in 1985. And I was surprised to learn just now (laughs) that Brian had not seen this movie until he was prepping for this episode today. Today, right? Yeah, I watched it today. Oh, my gosh. So what did you think, man? Uh, I So, you know, going back a lot of times to these movies, there's a lot of stuff that... um, uh, doesn't necessarily hold up. Like, there's a lot of stuff in Police Academy. Let's just say that that is like, 
uh, does not problematic. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> and so, you know, anytime I go back to like watch one of these movies for the first time, it's interesting because I don't have the nostalgia goggles on. Right. And so, but I, I thought the movie, um, I thought the movie nostalgia was goggles. Why did we name the podcast nostalgia goggles? <laughs> that, that's a great term. <laughs> the, um, I, the thing with this movie, it made me think about, uh, you know, back in the eighties, there's, a, you know, there's like a whole type of movie that's, that, doesn't get made nowadays like like this movie to me i feel like it's like in the vein of goonies and and you know maybe nerds and stuff like that where it's more geared towards a a younger demographic um but the uh movies back then there's a lot of movies where like you had like really smart young kids were the like stars of these movies right or like the star of the story and yeah. like i just can't think of like a lot of movies that come out nowadays where it's like it's cool to be smart you know <laughs> like <laughs> yeah like, like back well, like, in the uh, 80s, you had tons of them space matthew Camp. broderick matthew broderick and war games yep, right uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, um, but yeah, so I, it, this movie, it was cool watching because I was like, man, it's, it's, it's weird to me that they don't make that kind of movie anymore. Well, it, it just, uh, I'm just realizing now that I'm doing uh, our audience a disservice, assuming that they were uh, fans of this movie. Some people, like you, may have not seen this before. So, um, the brief plot that they list on, on IMDb is two geniuses deal with their abilities while developing a high-powered laser for a university project. When the professor intends to turn their work into a military weapon, they decide to ruin his plans. This is uh, a breakout role for for Val Kilmer. Mm-hmm. I think he had been in Top Secret before this, mm-hmm. but um, this really cast him into, uh, into the limelight prior to him hitting it majorly huge in Top Gun. Yes. So mm-hmm. this was... Uh, you know, if you only know Val Kilmer from his action roles or from Tombstone, this is a totally different side of him. This is, you know, uh, a lighthearted, funny, funny role for him. But he wasn't even the main character. Uh, the main character was actually uh, a, an actor named Gabriel Jarrett. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he's been in anything else, but um, he played the character Mitch Taylor, who was like, what, a 15-year-old yes. prodigy uh-huh. who goes to college um, way, way, way early. Um, one of my favorite characters from this movie is the quintessential jerk yes. from like every 80s movie, which is uh, William Atherton. Uh-huh. He, pl- he played the professor. What other movies do you did you recognize him from? Ghostbusters. Brian? That, oh, of course. I feel like that's the only movie that I know him from, but it's the same. It's basically the same type of character that he plays. Like I could see this professor, um, like getting getting kicked out of the school because of all this that happened, and wanting to go work in the government because of his connections with the military, and then he becomes <laughs> the the person in Ghostbusters. So you you created the origin. This is the origin story of the Ghostbusters guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then after Ghostbusters, he goes into the media, uh, and that's where you see him in Die Hard, right? Oh, you, right. Yeah, he's the jerk reporter from Die Hard. Yeah. So, I'm, I saw him at Dragon Con. He's actually a very nice man, but he plays a jerk so great, so great. Well, none of those characters are the characters I'm talking about. The character I'm talking about is Laszlo Holyfeld, uh, Holyfeld played by John Grease. Did you recognize this character? 
did you recognize the actor who who plays him? No, he like he he looked familiar to me, but I think like I just kept thinking that um he looked like uh was it Dave Attell? Uh like the I can't remember in Half Baked the person the the guy that sleeps on the couch, who is that? Oh, uh Steven Oh, what's his name? He's the comic that he talks like this. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I, yeah. I kept thinking that that's who Laszlo was. Like, I was like, I knew it wasn't him, but that's who he kept reminding me of. So John Grease has been in a, in a lot of movies, uh, but the two pivotal roles for him were this one as Laszlo for me. Anyway, pivotal for me. This one and Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. Oh. Uh. Did you see that movie? I, I have seen Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, I I just I could never get into that movie. Um, oh my but gosh. I don't. I'm not sure. Like I saw a thing on YouTube where it was like they were saying that it was the same person. And I was like, I don't even know who Uncle Rico is, so I didn't watch it. Oh, that pains me, Brian. Oh my gosh. Oh, okay. You know, sometimes I wonder why we're friends, but then I realize you're the the yin to my yin. <laughs> you're the opposite. So uh, that that works out. Anyway, so Laszlo, the character, is a genius himself, but we're introduced to Laszlo. How, how, what was the first introduction? I actually haven't watched this movie recently. All right. When did the first time you see him? So the first time you see him, Mitch first gets to the college, and he's like, gets to the dorms, and he's walking in, and like all these people are like doing weird things, and he walks into his room, and all of his clothes are, are, are missing from his suitcase, his suitcases and Laszlo walks in behind him and then just proceeds to walk into the closet and shut the closet door. And then Mitch is like, is like looks around and like goes and opens up the closet door and there's no one there. And he's like, what? And so that's the first time you see him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was always a, uh, like my worst nightmare in college is just random people showing up in your dorm room. <laughs> um, and that happened on a few occasions for me. <laughs> Most of them were drunk, <laughs> but none of them disappeared in my closet. Um, but yeah, so what we learn later is that, of course, Mitch goes into the closet and then closes the door and is lowered down into an access pat- a panel to be able to um, find a secret lair that Laszlo has made and self-isolated. Mm-hmm. And he's been living down there for, for years now, huh? Yeah, he was a student in the 70s. So it's it's at least been several years because I would say he's probably like in his mid to late 20s in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, he's got a whole production line going down there. He's he's uh, living off of the living off the land of the college and <laughs> enjoying some solitude down in the basement in the boiler room. And he's got a little assembly line going. What, what, do you remember what he was doing? So he it's it's weird. So I, I do have a question for you because I, I didn't quite understand it when I was watching the movie. But uh, basically, um, there's a sweepstakes going on for Frito-Lay, I think it was. And there was no purchase necessary. And so what he was doing was printing off entry tickets for this. And he printed off, I think it was like, it was like, like a couple million or something like that. And so he's guaranteed to win like 38 point something percent of all of the uh, prizes from the sweepstakes. Uh huh. The question yeah. I have is how does he interface with computers by watching the screensaver? I, that, that part. <laughs> I saw that too. It's like, isn't it like a picture of balloons? Yeah, it's or like something? balloons floating around. And then he, it does it happens later on in the movie too. Like when he's like doing his, he's, recoding um something and then like the, the another one the screensaver with the lines comes up and he like smiles and like goes ah 
<laughs> so I'm just like, <laughs> like I don't understand this this thing with screensavers. Uh, yeah, I have no explanation for you on that one, but you know, back then computers were were um, a novel concept, and people really didn't know the magic of how they work. So I guess, I guess anything with that would would serve its purpose. Um, didn't he win? Didn't we see at the very end of the movie that he actually? Didn't he pull up in an RV or yeah. something? He and, and was towing prizes because he won thirty nine percent of the prizes that were given away. Yeah, and so he, he, mathematical genius figured it all out and mm-hmm. and got rich off of it. So yeah, he uh, you actually get to see him progress a little bit in the movie because he comes to help the team. But uh, I just thought it was he was a great character isolating himself for years in the boiler room. Not like Freddy Krueger, but you know <laughs> he could have gotten there eventually had he not met his friends. Um, like Val Kilmer. So if you haven't seen Real Genius, Brian, would you recommend it? Yes, it is. It holds up. <laughs> it holds up, says the guy who just saw it today. But yes. All right, check it out. That's why I'm so glad you came out. You want a hamburger? I, I've been thinking about your laser solution. Oh, good. I, I figure you, you've increased the power output to six megawatts. Yeah, about that. Well, what would you use that for? Making enormous Swiss cheese? The applications are unlimited. No. With the fuel you've come up with, the beam would last for, what, 15 seconds? What good is that? Oh, Laszlo, that doesn't matter. I respect you, but I graduated. There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the twilight zone. All right, so picture this, Preston. You have this job that you really don't have a lot of downtime, but you still use your job time to read books while you're helping customers out. And when you get off from a hard day at work, you just want to go home and read some more books. But your wife hates the fact that you read for some reason <laughs> and, uh, and, and like forbids you to do it. And so you have to read in secret. Uh, how would you feel about that? Well, if I had alternative methods of entertainment, uh, I, I might be fine. I might feel a little dumber than I would normally since I'm not allowed to read and expand my brain and can only turn my brain into soup by watching TV or something. But um, I could probably survive. But my wife, on the other hand, she would not be able to survive because she is a, a bibliophile to the ninth degree. Uh-huh. I, I like to read. Um, I read I read regularly. Um I mean, I have a whole bookshelf of books behind me, but, but like, I don't have to have it, uh, like she does. Yeah. She, she's like this character that we're about to talk about. So, uh, this is the life of Henry Bemis, uh, played by Burgess Meredith in, uh, the Twilight Zone episode, Time Enough at Last. Uh, so this, this episode of this show, of this whole, I guess it was the first season, um, those episodes from the first season, for some reason, uh, are like the main ones that I have seen for the Twilight Zone growing up. Yeah, this is one of the few that I had seen too. Like uh-huh. you know, you see the Shatner Gremlin one. Yeah, 
Um, and then this is always in the top five for sure. Mm-hmm. And this is actually this episode, um, and it's one of the highest. It was like one of the highest rated episodes when it aired. And um, so because of that, they actually used the theme from this episode uh, and, and other episodes going forward in, in the series uh, for a different couple oh. different stories. So, um, But basically what happens is um, uh, Bemis is working at a bank and uh, sometimes he sneaks off during his lunch break to read. Uh, in, in, the, in this show, he's reading David Copperfield um, and uh, he's has these really thick like uh bottle glass or bottle glasses coke bottle glasses and he sneaks off to the vault in order to uh read during his lunch break because his boss hates him for reading too <laughs> everybody just hates that he reads all the time and uh well he's reading on the clock yeah that's, that's yeah i guess that different. would be meant too because like he's like literally like giving money back to customers they're like you didn't give me back enough money and he's like because he's reading his book he's like oh you're right here you go so um but anyway, so he uh the uh, H bomb goes off and destroys the world basically. Like hum- hum- humankind has has finally done it and they've they've destroyed the earth. And because he was in the vault, he was safe and uh he, he comes out um you know, there are some dark points in this in this episode where uh some <laughs> This is a downer. I told you to find something fun and silly and you're like well, let me tell you about this one where the guy's left all alone and it's a sad, tragic ending. Yeah, but I love it. I love like I love this episode because, um, you know, it 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 is, you know, we talked about how it was very popular, but also like tons of things have like riffed on it. You know, like everything from, um, you know, th- there's like references to it in Family Guy and The Simpsons and, you know, stuff like that, too. So um, but it winds up uh, he winds up. Um, being like, okay, well, I have food. Like he, 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 the grocery stores. There's enough canned food. He's like, I got food for a while, so I'm, I'm okay with this. And he's trying to figure out like what he's going to do uh, with his life now. And he finds out that you know just everybody's dead. And um, eventually, after some some tough times and and you know some self reflection, he winds up stumbling across the library and realizes that he has enough he finally has enough time to read all the books that he wanted and now there's no one to tell him no all the time in the world as he sits down his glasses fall off and break (laughs) and so now he can't see it all because he has super thick glasses and so it's it's i love this episode so much oh yeah it's it really is one of those things where it just has that that penultimate twist at the end mm-hmm. that uh, just is the cherry on top for the whole, whole episode. Burgess Meredith is great. If you only know him from, from his uh, <laughs> days on Rocky as his trainer, um, you may not even recognize him. Oh, he no. certainly doesn't look as like the penguin. Is that, I was going to say, is that the first thing you think of when you think of Burgess Meredith as Rocky? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, the penguin is always the first thing what I think of. Eh, like the the cool thing about the penguin was his quack the whole quack, 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 like he did that in, in in Batman because he didn't smoke and the penguin did and so anytime he coughed he would he would do that to cover up the cough. <laughs> but yeah, that that's always what I think of. And that's the cool thing about Twilight Zone is 
you know, the people, the people from these episodes were in so many things, you know, like they were all such big stars that it's cool watching these old, these old shows and, and being like, Oh my gosh, look who it is. And, and that kind of thing. Yeah. It's weird what you notice in this kind of stuff, you know, obviously it's dated, it's black and white. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it, some of the stuff doesn't hold up, but mostly it does. But I was noticing the artwork of the matte painting behind uh-huh. the in the back of the set for the Desolate World and how good that was because I actually had to pay attention to to see that that was fake because right. it was just such so, so artistic. Um, yeah, this one was great. A uh, little bit of a downer, but um, if you look for some some uh, some good drama, uh, if if you want, uh, I'll say this. I'll say this. If you've never watched The Twilight Zone before, this is a very good first episode to check out. Yes. Books! Books! All the books I'll need! All the books! All the books I'll ever want! Shelley! Shakespeare! Shaw! Ah, there's time enough at last. That's not fair. That's not fair. (laughs) Adam's been living underground with his parents since 1962. What did you wish for, son? I wish that I could meet a girl. I've been thinking about that a little. Just these last 15 years or so. Now, it's time for him to party. I've never driven before. It's like he's from X-Files. Brendan Fraser, Alicia Silverstone. Are we getting hot? Yes. Blast from the past. Stop the bus! Stop the bus! Rated PG-13. Starts Friday. All right, so my final pick for Tales of Isolation. I actually um, have... It has a close place in my heart. And I did see this movie in the theater, but this movie... Mm -hmm was my very, very first ever DVD that I owned. Oh, wow. I don't know if you remember what kind of magic it was when you transitioned over from seeing VHS oh, yeah. to seeing DVD. Uh-huh. It's almost comical now because when you look at Blu-ray as compared to DVD, you're like, ew, DVD. <laughs> but, but back then, man, it was great. This movie came from New Line video and so i remember their little intro sound like perfectly it makes me nostalgic when i see it in movies to this day but this movie is blast from the past and no i'm not just talking about it's a blast from the past no the name of the movie (laughs) is blast from the past it made my um it made the cutoff for the show barely Uh i'd like to not really talk about stuff um before the year 2000 i mean after the year 2000 Uh uh-huh very often, and I'm sure as this podcast gets older, we'll have to make exceptions because that was 20 years ago. But this movie came out in 1999. And for those who aren't familiar, Blast from the Past is about Adam Weber. He's the child of an eccentric inventor and his wife. And following a bomb scare in the 60s, they were locked in their bomb shelter for 35 years until he ventures out into the Los Angeles to obtain food and supplies for his family. And while he's there, he meets Eve, who reluctantly agrees to help him out. This movie stars 
Brendan Fraser as um, as Adam, mm-hmm. Alicia Silverstone as fittingly Eve, Christopher Walken and Sissy Spacek. Um, supporting cast is great. You got you got Dave Foley. Um, you've got uh, Joey Slotnick. Oh, you don't recognize his name, but you'd recognize his character. It's great. Um, fantastic cast, fantastic movie. It makes you feel good. I do not think it got the love it deserved back in the day. Yeah, you know, I I feel like this had to be like I'm a huge Brendan Fraser fan, and I think that this was like around the time that he started. Well, I don't know. I guess it was a couple years later, but it was this was getting close to the time that he started like disappearing from, uh, from the good graces of the movie studios. Uh, Mummies after this, right? The first mummy. No, Mummy was before this, I believe. So um, maybe it is like like I was thinking, but yeah, <laughs> I I like this movie uh, a lot. I I saw it when it first came out. Um, but I also, you know, I'm just like Brendan Fraser movies, and so uh, I I think like the premise is is a clever idea of having um having someone that is basically lost in time because they you know when he first comes out he's like wow and someone's like what are you looking at he's like the sky i've never seen something so beautiful before and yeah. so like i just i like that whole concept he's got that child childlike wonder uh-huh. uh this movie definitely stretches reality a little bit but it 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 almost seems like it could be feasible which is which is kind of the charm for me so uh what happens in the movie is uh Christopher Walken is a Caltech professor, you know, a real smart guy. This is during the Cuban Missile Crisis, so he has been hedging his bets and building a bunker under his house secretly with different contractors so no one knows exactly what's going on for years. Um they watch the news and they feel like they feel like uh the Cuban Missile Crisis is imminent and there's going to be a nuclear holocaust. So as they are making their way to their bunker, they're going down the elevator shaft, just happenstance, pure coincidence, a plane, a military jet crashes in their backyard. So they think for sure that the bomb went off. They lock the gates. They uh, hunker down. She was pregnant. I don't know if I mentioned that. And so they give birth and have Adam in the bunker. So he never knows the outside world Mm -hmm. and uh they credit his youthfulness because it was 35 years later (laughs) 35 years later he looks like he's in his 20s they they just say well that's just because he's you know he looks so good and so young because he's hey no son uh, yeah no no son and and so but that's that's kind of where they stretch really really far but man this movie's so great because it gets it gets to the childlike wonder that we all should have at some things still, but we just take for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, the wor- one of the reasons I thought of this movie is because uh, I sent you the link there, Brian, to check it out if you haven't already. But yes, there was a realtor.com article, and I think it made its way into um, into Washington Post and all kinds of stuff. Uh-huh. But there is a house in Las Vegas that is on the market or was anyway back at the beginning of February for the lowly sum of $18 million that has basically a version of this underground bunker. And when you think underground bunker, you may think just like, Oh, you know, gray cinder block walls, but no, both the one in blast from the past and the one that I'm showing uh, Brian right now, Mm -hmm. it's decorated to look like, 
a neighborhood like a house with grass and you know painted walls and a kitchen and it's like a home inside uh a bunker basically yeah it's it's awesome because it's like you know it's something that you would you would use have an imagineer for to to help design it because it looks like you know in order to break up the monotony of being underground like there are windows and like a, a yard and you know the it's cool because they have almost like different biomes like there's like um you know like a woodsy area and then like a rocky area with a pool and and stuff like that so mhm yeah um in the movie it's cool because they show kind of like how they power everything. They've got all these batteries and they start their own supply of breeding fish so they can have fish and Mm -hmm. fresh, fresh meat and stuff and clean water and all this stuff. You don't really see any of the inner workings in this real life example. And I'm like, if you really were trapped down here for years, how would you have the pool? I mean, how would everything not just be dank and damp from having this pool in your house that you can't escape. And, um, but blast from the past touches on some of the monotony that you would have. Yeah. It's if I were trapped, I would definitely want to be trapped in my house. Like I am now, Mm -hmm. but I think it would get old after 35 years. You know, the, I, so you bring up that pool, but you gotta think you have so much time on your hands, right? Maintaining that pool and like keeping that area clean and stuff like that, (laughs) like would give you something to do because, you know, you think about right now, like everybody's like losing their minds because they can't go outside for like two weeks. Imagine like, like if you're like them in the movie and you had 35 years, like you would like, you would have a pretty good like cleaning regimen set up for all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know the movie itself is great, but there the the scenes down in in the bunker are really good too. Uh, talking about stuff you take for granted, one of the things they touch on is as they show Adam as he's uh, as he ages, uh-huh. different different clips, and as he's a when he's a young man, maybe you know ten or twelve or something like that, his dad is trying to teach him baseball, <laughs> but it's one of those things where if you just tell someone about it. Uh-huh. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever, uh, and it takes him once he gets to the surface seeing a um, uh, a cross dressing softball team um, to to really say now I get it now I get it. You need those outside influences when you're trapped, um, and if you're only tra- I would make sure that I had a lot of entertainment stuff because these guys when they're trapped down there they have the Jackie Gleason show like three episodes that they watch over and over and over again. And the mom starts <laughs> becoming an alcoholic because she's so, so over it. <laughs> I love that scene in the movie where like, they're drinking like the champagne or whatever. And Alicia Silverstone is like, I thought only streetwalkers like these. He's like, I don't know what that is, but my mom loves it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Classics, classic, classic. If, all right. So if, you know, obviously we are both experiencing different levels of containment, and isolation if you had to have a bunker for 35 years um what would be some things that you had to have down there like if you were planning for this what would be some of your go-to must-haves you got to think about longevity yeah. and monotony what would you have well so it, and also like so if that's the case well we'll go with like it's something that has destroyed the outside world that way. Cause I mean, internet makes such a big difference, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, like I couldn't imagine, 
gosh, it would suck if there was no internet right now, you know, like just like not having, being able to see like what's going on with everybody on Twitter and on just social media in general and, and stuff like that. So if that was the case, uh, I would not, well, I don't know. I have tons of board games that I've, I keep yes. buying all these board games. I have never opened them. So that would be a good thing to have. Um, I would want like puzzles and stuff too. Um, cause it sucks because like, if you think about, um, like part of me would be like, Oh, I want to work on different projects, but like, I don't want to get hurt because if I get hurt, I can't leave because I'd be in a bunker. And so like, you can't use saws, you know, you can't like, there's a lot of, like, a lot of stuff where it's like, you can't do anything really that you could have an accident and really get, get injured because with blast from the past, like I was like thinking, I was like, man, it's such a good thing that like, there was no like really bad medical emergencies that happened <laughs> because yeah. 35 years is a long time for that to never happen. Sorry, so. son, this arm's got to come off. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, it would have to be like stuff like puzzles and board games and books would be great. Um, you know, like, uh, I, I like, uh, there's somebody that, um, I listened to them talk about like prepping and stuff like that. And they said that like for, you know, you would like books are good, but like a Kindle is very good because they last forever. Like if it's a paper white one, you know, the battery on those lasts forever and you can have a lot of books on it. And it's easy. Like if you, if it's like a bug out bag type of deal, um, it's easy to have just that in your backpack and be able to read like a bunch of books that you have downloaded to it. Uh, and then if you get a, um, you can get these solar chargers for like phones and stuff like that. And it takes a while to charge, but like, you know, you can charge that up like when it runs out of juice, like in two weeks or whatever, you know? So, uh, I would say probably a Kindle would be something that I would want. Yeah. How about you? Well, you know, you kind of glossed over them, but I think old fashioned books would be something I want as I'm looking through these pictures of this house. That's a real one, you know? I don't know why one of the rooms isn't a, a library, especially if this was made, if this was built back in the '60s, like Blast from the Past takes place, and like this home was built that we're looking at, the real one. You know, they didn't have the high high skill electronic stuff. They didn't have the internet, so I'm shocked that they didn't anticipate. Well, we mean, need to be down here for up to a year or more. Let's have a, uh, um, let's be sure to have a whole library of books because uh-huh. that could keep me entertained. I look, I look at my bookshelf now and I've got like a, a bunch of books and I know how long it takes me to read a book now. And I'm amazed that I've read all these books, but if I were to start over from scratch, I can't even tell you how long it'd take me to read all these books all over again. So, but you'd have yeah, so much time to do it. <laughs> I know. I know. I think you're, you're, I think the games are a good point. I think I would definitely have to bring a bunch of console stuff too. Um, but uh, yeah, your um the board game idea that's great because that it could get old, but at least if you had a lot of variety, you could s- swap it up, and no game's the same, so that'd be good. You know, I will say the '60s uh um bunker it is very '60s because one of the uh needed areas of the house they had was a bar, a wet bar. And so <laughs> it's like, you know, no library, but we got booze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if you're not getting supplies, it's not lasting you very long. That's some waste of space right there. Hey, you can just, I bet they have like just tons of yeast, like in a closet or yeah, something. Yeah. They're growing some potatoes out back. Going to make some hooch anyway. Well, um, the movie itself is great. You know, the, the bunker is a, a central part of it. Um, but his experience is going to the surface after 35 years is, is the most, uh, is the biggest aspect of it. But man, I think if I had a bunker like they did, um, or like this one here that we're looking at, I think I could last 
maybe six months, not 35 <laughs> years, maybe six months. Um, I'm going a little stir crazy after three weeks, but <laughs> hey, you're doing what we can. So if you haven't seen it, go check out Blast from the Past. Well, I'm certainly not going to let this pot roast go to ice. Oh, Calvin, could you put that seat cushion back in the lawn chair, honey? Shouldn't we at least turn off the phonograph? It shuts off automatically. Oh, did you make it to do that? They all do. Oh, I never know anymore. I bet that's a fighter jet on its way to Key West. Good luck, amigo. As an honorable mention, uh, I have something that is new to me uh, be- uh, because I kind of just got up, caught up in the zeitgeist of, of what's going on right now. And uh, I bought a video game that of a series that I have never had any interest in before. Um, and I thought it was cool just because of the history of this of this game and the, the game's creator. Um, I thought it was neat. And how it relates to the isolation part. So, when everybody started um, social distancing themselves and everything like that, that week, that weekend that it happened, uh, two games came out: Doom and or Doom Eternal and Animal Crossing: New Horizons. And it, I don't know for you, but for me on Twitter, everybody and their mother bought new animal crossing new horizons and will not stop talking about it (laughs) true that's that's a lot of what i see on twitter okay so um so eventually like i i have never had a desire to play these games and but it just got to a point where i was like well all right well since i'm going to be quarantined at home i'll go ahead and get it so i can play it since everybody's going crazy about it and it you know i like it a lot um but the reason that i wanted to bring it up is uh, basically, the guy that that came up with the game, uh, his name is Katsuya Iguchi. Uh, he um, he's credited with with coming up with the concept for the game. And basically, what happened is he wanted to make this game because um, he grew up in um, he was born in Tokyo. He grew up in the Chiba Prefecture um, of Japan. And when he graduated school, he went to Kyoto to where Nintendo's headquarters was because he got a job with them. And when he first moved out to Kyoto, you know, he had no friends. This was a whole new experience for him. And he felt very isolated. And so what he wanted to do was create a game that um, that was about making friends and, and, and basically like having a, a, a whole new family of friends that, that are a part of your life. And the social, uh, the social aspect of that, of, of meeting friends and stuff. And so he came up with Animal Crossing. And I just thought it was so cool because, you know, with us talking about isolation, this game coming out when everybody is starting to self-isolate, like how it directly relates to the whole reason that this game exists is because of one man's feeling of isolation when he first moved away from home. It's and all full circle. It is. It's, 
it's it I, I just think it's a cool thing and so i just wanted to throw an honorable mention out for it uh just just it's a new thing to me so i have no i have no real nostalgia for it but i like the game but no it's it's a it's a cool thing and i i like that you're pointing out some modern technology because it's you know it's neat that we're talking about isolation but yet we're all connected uh-huh and there's a social consciousness that everyone is a part of right now. Uh, so, yes, Twitter is lambasted with Animal Crossing. But that's cool that everyone's sharing in that collective thing. So even if they're alone, mm-hmm. uh, even if they're in their house by themselves, they're part of something bigger um, and part of something that's a, a, like a, a community within isolation. Yeah. I think it's also interesting because the whole reason that that kind of thing happens is Nintendo is very bad at online stuff. And (laughs) what winds up happening is where normally like an online community would be, um, would be something that grows inside the game and like around the game primarily because Nintendo is so bad at online uh, people will sh- instead share those experiences on Twitter and, and on, on like different spaces. And so different people see it. And I would like to believe like it's, it's a smart move because, you know, someone like me who would have never bought Animal Crossing eventually bought it because of it. Um, but like, I, I know that Nintendo is just like tone deaf in terms of, of how the internet works and, and stuff like that with their games. And so, but it, it is interesting how, how it helped out this particular title. So. Cool. Well, uh, I have not gotten it. Uh, I have not played it myself, but I did get it for my daughters and they, they love it. Um, so, you know, if, if you're stuck up in isolation for much longer, you find it, find something else cool. Uh, please let me know. And, and if you're listening at home, if you're isolated and you have burned through all the topics we've talked about already, but yet you find something else that you are using to spend your time wisely with, Hey, shoot us an email. We're at waybackattackshow at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. What are you doing to occupy your time? What are some topics we might have missed? Maybe there are some other cool isolation topics we should have talked about, but we didn't. Um, you can hit us up there. I'm also on uh, Twitter at Squared Stiff. Brian, where can they find you? I am B.E. Grantham on Twitter. And then the show is at wayback underscore attack. Uh, if you could also do us a huge favor and uh, leave a review on the place that you uh, listen to the show uh, would greatly appreciate it because it makes a huge difference on letting us reach out to a lot of different people's ears and uh, right now is a good time because uh, there's probably people looking for fun things to do and so if they yeah. hear about this new podcast they hadn't heard about before it'd be really cool if you could help us out in that way yeah the reviews are great but you know what it, if you have time just tell a friend just tell a friend that's how I found so many of my podcasts mm-hmm. that I really enjoy is just someone like oh hey have you checked out so and so next time to say hey have you checked out Wayback attack it's pretty fun um we appreciate you listening and we look forward to seeing you next time <laughs>